Good morning, church. There we go. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to come and to bring scripture and a word of proclamation. Um, give thanks for those who are guests, for families who are here, um, for this time together to, to share. If I were, uh, well, way back in the day, let me start out. Way back in the day, if things align just exactly, perfectly, uh, I could walk across the street from Rosemont Elementary in the cliff where I went to uh, elementary school, <clears throat> and Moore's Grocery Store and Meat Market was right across the street. Talk about location, location, location. Can you imagine having a grocery store right across the street from an elementary school? And if I had enough lunch money saved in my pocket and I had enough time uh, before the carpool actually arrived, you would find me standing there right in front of the candy counter. And if I had an extra dime or maybe even a quarter in my pocket, I would go right past all that candy uh, and blow everything on bubble gum. That's a pun, actually, right? Blow <laughs> on bubble gum. Baseball cards is what I was after. Now, I was not a great baseball card collector, but I had my favorites. And if you were a baseball card collector, maybe you collected uh, all those fancy, fancy kind of baseball players, and that's great. And they're probably worth a whole lot of money now. Don't you wish you had them back? Don't you really wish you had them back? I wasn't a huge collector, but I did have my favorites, the, the big-name sluggers, uh, the base stealers, and the uh, really great pitchers. Like I said, I wasn't, uh, uh, it wasn't a valuable collection, but for me as a kid, it was precious and priceless having those cards. Today's All Saints, the day the church sets aside to recognize and celebrate those who live, died, and live on in faith, in resurrection faith. That's what we're here to do today, to celebrate. Since the seventh century, the church has lift, lifted up those whose lives were so noteworthy and remarkable <clears throat> and exemplar that they've been canonized. And these, we know, are the formal saints or the official saints of the church. Let's call them card-worthy, okay? Card-worthy. Men and women who throughout the centuries excelled enough to be inducted into the Hall of Fame of Christianity. Before I read today's pericope from Hebrews 12, it's vital to know its connection to chapter 11, a literal who's who of the Old Testament, those who by faith please God. Did you know your faith pleases God? Did you know that? It was Abel, not Cain, who offered an acceptable gift, a sacrificial gift. I think it was in the sacrifice that his gift was pleasing to God. And in the same way the list grows in chapter 11 of Hebrews, Abraham, Moses, the whole Israelite people who passed through the Red Sea, the folks who marched around Jericho and blew their trumpets to watch the walls come crumbling down, these are all noted in Hebrews chapter 11, as is Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah 
and David and Samuel and the prophets. It's in the naming of persons who lived, died, and now live on in resurrection faith. We hear these words now from Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 3. And I invite you to stand, if you are able, or rise in your heart, your mind, your soul. We hear these words. Therefore, now he's had this whole litany of people. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin that clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has now taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. The Lord our God always blesses the hearing and reading and the proclamation that Jesus is Lord. You may be seated. Would you bow with me in prayer? May the words of my mouth and the ponderings of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord God, our rock and our redeemer, the one to whom we cling for life abundant and eternal, both now and forever and ever. Amen. So I want to accomplish a couple of things, three things specifically, in dealing with this pericope from Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. I want to... I, I want these first three chapters of verse 12... To do this. What exactly does it mean to be called to be saints? Called to be saints. What, is, what does that actually mean to you and to me? Secondly, what's expected or demanded of us in this process of sanctification? And that is maturing and growing on in faith. You know, as Wesleyans, we're Wesleyans after all. We're Christians first, but we're also Wesleyans. That, that helps us live that Christian life. That you and I are called to mature, to grow up in Christ. Um, in baseball lingo, and I'll be doing a lot of that, how far have you moved from Little League to a farm team to the Major League? I'm, I'm, not, I'm not judging you. I'm just asking you. Are you Little League player? Are you a farm team player? Are you really in the Major Leagues? And finally, what can we anticipate will happen to us and the world we inhabit as we interact through the years. First, you're called to become a saint. To be or to become a saint. Not to be snooty. Not to walk around haughty. Not to consider yourself better than other people or judgmental. That's not what a, a saint is called to be. You and I are called to be your best self. Your best self. And how do we do that? We do that by loving God above all else. Anyone else loving God and then loving our neighbor, our brothers and sisters, as we love ourselves. Sounds simple, doesn't it? And yet I found it most difficult to do. It's simple to understand, it's difficult to do. But if you do that, if you love God above all else and you love neighbor, brother and sister, as you strive to love yourself, then you're on your way 
then you're on your way. I once heard about a confirmation class that was walking through the sanctuary. They were learning about the Christian faith, and the teacher asked, who are the saints of the church? And a little girl piped up, and she said, uh, the saints are the ones that God's light shines through in the sanctuary windows. Wow. Wow. We look up, we have a few saints, mostly Jesus. Huh? here but you go in other churches and you'll have those who are the saints of the church those uh, uh, early mothers and fathers in the faith those patriarchs of the church those leaders of noteworthy accolades just like those lifted up in hebrews 11 so let me ask you point blank <clears throat> how much of god's light and love and grace shines through your life how much light and love and grace shines through your life into the lives of others? Not so that they'll give you recognition, but that they will point to the Father. That's what Matthew 5 says in Jesus' longest sermon of the Sermon on the Mount. Are you salt and light as a saint? How does God radiate from your words, your deeds, your acts, your motivation, your heart, your mind, your soul, your body. That is our calling to allow God to be dwelling within you and with you and through you throughout your life. And this is the truth that you and I can't be bystanders to that act of allowing light to shine through you or to prevent that light from shining through you. You and I are active participants in the gospel life cycle of living, of dying, and of rising in faith. That just doesn't happen when we die, folks. That ought to be happening daily in your life. That you're living, and there are moments that you decide to die so that you can be in Christ, and believe you me, Christ will raise you up in that moment in your life that you need him the most. That gives us reason and motivation to lift me, at least me, out of myself. I often am, am the biggest problem to living the Christian life. It's not something external to me. It's rather something internal within me because I've yet to give a part of my heart or life or soul to Christ fully, completely. It lifts us out of our smallness, our excuses, our fear. And it allows us to live the gift of transformation, of community. And boy, do I feel that here at White Rock. I feel community. I don't just know it. I experience it here. That we and I might receive the gift of wholeness and holiness. Yes, I said the H word, holiness. That is God's gifting. That's God's doing. It's not our doing. It's God's doing through us. So you may not like the term of saint. You may not want to be referenced as a saint. But I need to inform you that you not only can be holy, you are holy. Because God made you. You didn't make yourself. And God makes you holy. And God asks that you be a saint in the making not in the finishing but in the making therefore you can't set this out folks this christian life you can't uh, 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 sort of deal with past words and dealings in your life and say well i've, I've done that already <laughs> I'm, I'm there i've already arrived 
You can't live your relationships as if they're transactional because they're not. They're meant to be transformational. <laughs> that you are changed from the inside out and that God's light and love and grace flows through you and in you and beyond you to others. To, be, to let God's grace shine and shine on. Secondly, so this life of wholeness and holiness requires and demands and yea, it expects your full-time attention. You're not a sometimes Christian. You're always Christian. You're always expected to let light and love flow through you. It's not for the half-hearted or the half-committed or I'll get around to it later on when I grow up or when I have time or whatever else it is. Remember as a kid going to the skating rink. You remember going to the skating rink when you were a kid? It didn't make a whole lot of sense to dance and to do a bunch of stuff. I could barely skate. But I remember when they put us in a big circle and then we would do the hokey pokey. You remember the hokey pokey? Okay, so if you don't take anything else away from the sermon, this is what you're called to be. You're a Christian. If you say you are, then are you? And you, don't, you, you can't be a hokey pokey Christian. You put an arm in. <laughs> And you let it dangle all about, you know? <laughs> or then you put a foot in, you know? And you shake it all about. <laughs> no. You put your whole self in. Huh? Put your whole self out. Put your whole self in, and you shake it all about. <laughs> what if the hokey pokey is what it's really all about? Did you ever see that bumper sticker? <laughs> And whenever I see that, it reminds me that you and I as a Christian can't be half in and then half out. No, you're to put your whole self in all the time and be shaking it about as a saint in the making with every fiber, sinew, bone, ounce. So you, again, the question to ask you is, how's the running going? How's the race? How are you doing? And more so, who are your running buddies? Huh? Who's your running buddy? Who stops when you fall and they pick you up? Because you're running together. Who, um, who encourages you when you're fatigued or you're worn out or you're ready to walk away? <clears throat> In baseball terms, again, would you say you're a little league or a farm team? Or are you playing the major league? You may have been living your life for 60 years as a Christian and you're still in the Little League. Why? 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 And finally, what can we anticipate our lives to look like? What's supposed to happen in me and through me and with me as I live this saintly life? Not a better than, but what does it mean? What, what can I expect to happen in this marathon? It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. You're in it for your whole life. You're an active duty Christian. I don't care what age you are. Dorothy Garrett's 102 years old. Hi, Dorothy. She's probably watching us on 102, and she tunes in every Sunday morning to watch us. She's still running the marathon at 102. She's not stopped. She prays for you. She loves you. She remembers you. She can't be with us, but yes, she is. I feel Dorothy. 
and so do you. So this is what, in baseball terms, as you play and play on in winning or losing, in scoring or striking out, knowing all along that God forgets, forgives and forgets our errors. Boy, isn't that great. God doesn't even remember it. Doesn't end up on our baseball cards. <laughs> errors? No, there were none. Or at least God says, I don't remember them. Wow. So, this is what you can expect. Expect to be surprised. Expect that God's going to show up in your life as you're living this life striving for the Christ that lives in you or through you. Encouraged and supported by a whole host of others who surround you. They're, these that we name, they're sitting in the stands now. They're in the ballpark. Huh? But they're not on the field anymore. They're rather in the stands. They're cheering you on. They're yelling for you, not at you. <laughs> they're yelling for you, cheering you on. And of course, we have each other too. That person see, seated next to you in the pew who can and does hold your hand, who does by word either comfort you or challenge you, to live your best life in Christ Jesus. And today we've named those aloud or named even in our hearts and thank God quietly, silently, those who still are a source of compassion and courage and Christ-likeness. You and I can be grateful and thankful to God for those persons in whom we knew and felt and experienced that Christ lived again. That's really the main thing. You have persons in your life that you felt and knew and experienced Christ lived again. And can't you, won't you give thanks and gratitude to God for these persons? Of course you can. Of course we do. We always will. And Christ showed up in their life and was felt to live again not for show and not for accolades, and surely not for a baseball cart. Not for the ooh and the awe of it all, but genuinely, authentically, practically living as Christ in our midst. There are really more persons than we can realize or even count who have been foundational and instrumental in our learning to crawl and then walk and now run in Christ Jesus. I never collected or saw or purchased the one card I now consider worth having. It's because it was a very, very, very rare card. <clears throat> He's considered the best who ever played baseball, but only very late in life was he ever given the privilege of playing in the major league. Born in 1906, all of the 30s, 40s, and 50s, he played in the Negro League. Satchel Page. I just read about him recently. There's a lot of work for us, church, to be done about institutional racism, about the way our culture was structured in such a way and it pervaded every part of our life, even our pastime. At age 59, Satchel Paige returned to baseball in 1965 when the Kansas City Athletics owner Charles Finley signed him to pitch one game, one game. 
Days were 40 games back. Sounds like the Rangers. <laughs> so Finley came up with the Satchel Page Appreciation Night. He became the oldest player to play Major League Baseball game when he took the mound against Carl Yastrzemski of the Red Sox. To help the, 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 to really put on a show, he sat in a rocking chair between innings. <laughs> and had a nurse wait upon him to massage his shoulder and put ice packs on it. And he had a little errand boy that would bring him water. Shockingly, or maybe not so, he tossed three innings of scoreless baseball only to give up one hit, that to Carl Yastrzemski. It was an unbelievable achievement. Unbelievable. By the last time he made his last appearance in 1965, he'd pitched across five decades. After facing him during one exhibition game, New York Yankees pitcher Joe DiMaggio stated that Page was the best and the fastest pitcher he'd ever faced. And this is a guy who played Major League Baseball all of his life and had hits in 56 consecutive games. I think he knows who can pitch, Joe DiMaggio knows. It's no secret that Page wanted to be the first African-American to play, but that didn't happen. Jackie Robinson did so in 1947, April of 1947, with the Brooklyn Dodgers. And while Page didn't achieve that dream, he was the first African-American initiated into the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame in 1971. His legacy lives on as one of the best players of all time. Whether you and I ever have a chance for notoriety or acclaim or recognition, whether or not we become card-worthy or not, matters not. Matters not. The most important thing is to know in this life God put you on a team. They're sitting right beside you, all around you. You're on a team, and God expects you to do your best. Loving God and loving neighbor. For now, friends, is the time and the hour and the day to play ball. Play ball. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen.